In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be comfortable, unless, of course, you're not wearing a wedding robe. Aha! Uh-huh, uh-huh. You're looking down, aren't you? Saying, oh my, I knew I should have put on my fancier Sunday clothes today. Uh, Shannon uh, had a milestone birthday a couple of years ago, and um, I did a risky thing. I got your attention now, don't I? I, um, I, we threw a costume party, a 70s dance costume party at that. And you never know if you're going to be like the only one there in a costume, right? So I was a little nervous until I saw Bobby Hadzer and his wife Julie walking in. You all remember Bobby? Have you ever seen Bobby in a salmon-colored leisure suit? <laughs> well, you have not lived. The, the lapels were wide enough to land a helicopter on either one. It was glorious. Julie was wearing this flowered, bell-bottomed jumpsuit, straight out of Charlie's Angels. I think she might have had white go-go boots. I, I don't remember that part. But when, when I saw them coming in, I knew that they weren't just there for the food. They were committed. They weren't just attending the party. They were the party. They were fully in, all in, ready to celebrate the fullness of the event. And I could tell by what they had on. Because clothes do signify our attitude about a particular event. Our clothes do say something about, it's an action that demonstrates our attitude about what's going on. And you know that to be true, don't you? How many of you, just as a, as a, as a, as a guess, How many of you remember what you wore like the day of your wedding? I bet you do. Say yes, Tom, even if you don't. Trust me on this. (laughs) What about um, maybe even your first date? Maybe your job interview or your first day of work? Maybe you remember what your daughter or son wore uh, for their wedding. You remember what you wore? What about at our baptism or our children's baptism? The care with which we put on these clothes says something about our attitude. It's an action that displays an attitude about what's going on. And that's what Jesus is talking about, about our actions that display our attitudes. But here's a hint. It has more to do with just clothing. So before we get into this parable, I want to take just a step back to to remember kind of where this parable is placed and what's going on. Because this is the third of three parables. And all of these parables Jesus is telling in response to being challenged by the chief priests and the elders. So this is the third parable that Jesus tells when the chief priests and elders come to him after he enters Jerusalem, just before his crucifixion. All of this is leading up to him being rejected, tortured, and killed. And so just before this, he comes into Jerusalem, the holy city, the seat of all religious power, and for that matter, economic power. And remember, he turns over the tables. He makes a real mess of things. And then he leaves the city, and the next day he comes back, and the chief priests and elders say, 
Who gave you this authority? Where do you get this authority to do this? And who gave it to you? Because what he's doing is really threatening and challenging their authority. And to that, Jesus responds with three parables. The first one is about the two sons. Do you remember that one? Both, the father tells them both to go and work. One says, no way. And then he does it. The other one says, I will go. And then he doesn't. And he says, which one did the will of the father? Have you not heard? Um, yes, that's, that's right. Our actions speak louder than our words. And then the second parable is the one where the landowner uh, has a vineyard and he plants the vineyard. He builds a wall. He builds a wall. He's got everything to make this vineyard a success and leaves it in the hands of, of these servants. And then when it comes time for the grapes to be harvested, he sends people. They don't give it. They, don't, they mistreat the slaves. And then he sends his son. Remember that? What do they do to the son? Kill him too. Things don't go well for them, does it? Well, Jesus lets the chief priests and elders say, well, what do you think he'll do? And they say, he will kill him. Again, this, 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 what we see here is that this kingdom, this landlord, this owner, is inviting those who you would least expect. It's not going to the ones that you would expect. And so in this parable today... We hear Jesus talking about the kingdom of God is kind of like this king who gives a wedding banquet for his son. And notice the gracious goodness of God and who gets to be invited. But there's two things you've got to be careful of. We have to be careful of. One is to not be distracted by the violence of the king. Because sometimes we hear this and we think, wow, if God is... This uh, temperamental and violent, we're in trouble. Do you hear that? Well, just remember, okay, that in this, the context of this parable, a king, if he invites you to a banquet, you're responsible for coming because the king says and you do. That's just what happens. Now, if it's not just any old banquet, but a wedding banquet, you better go. And if it's a wedding banquet for his son and you don't go, well, that's treasonous. You see, because by not obeying, you're not showing him honor. But not going to a wedding banquet for his son is also not showing loyalty to who's coming next. So the king does what the king does, what a king does. So he sends his troops to put down that rebellion. And notice that the people that that don't come, even after the second invitation, really, look, I've got great food. You should totally come. Some say, yeah, I'm really busy. I got, it's not that I can't come. It's just that I'm not really willing to because I have these other priorities going on. I got the Saints game on at noon, you know. I got a fishing trip planned with my buddies. So, eh, sorry. But the other one's really openly, outright seditious. They kill his servants. So, of course, the king does what a king does. Don't get distracted by that. Also, don't get distracted by the poor guy who doesn't have a robe to wear and gets called out and embarrassed in front of all of his friends. You know why? He knew he had to wear a robe. Everybody knew they had to wear a robe. And two, 
Everybody had a robe. If you didn't have a robe, you borrowed one from your neighbor. If, you didn't, if they didn't have a robe, so oftentimes the host would give you a robe. So that's why the guy says, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? There were a bunch of them hanging in the front door. Why didn't you grab one? So don't get distracted by feeling bad. He knew to wear a robe. He could have worn a robe. Why didn't he wear a robe? It seems so easy. Maybe it's because our actions display something about our attitude. Maybe the clothes he wasn't wearing said something about his level of commitment and participation in the wedding banquet. He wasn't joining in. He was just there for some free food. There was no respect. There was no sharing in the joy of the occasion. He was taking for granted the goodness, the gracious invitation of the king. He just showed up. Everybody's invited. I can do whatever I want. No big deal. Matthew is writing this to a particular community. Jesus is telling this parable, and Matthew knows why it's so important to his community. Matthew is reminding his community of the graciousness of God, that they have been invited in to the supper of the Lamb, to the foretaste of this heavenly banquet, into this kingdom of God. They, the least expected, the least deserving, they are recipients of this amazing invitation. The graciousness of God is to be held up and remembered. And paradoxically and simultaneously, that not only is God gracious and good, but God is demanding. Not only should we be grateful, but we should be obedient. In fact, our attitudes should be displayed by our actions. And not just with the clothes we wear. You see, as I, as I was reflecting back on that, that party and Bobby and Julie's signifying their participation in the joy of the occasion, it wasn't just in the clothes they wore. Because I remembered that after dancing for a long time, they stayed and washed dishes for at least an hour without being asked to. Our actions say something important about our attitudes, more than just the clothes that we wear. We have been invited into this, in, invited into this banquet, this amazing, wonderful, astonishing banquet. Us. God has called us into this life with God through Christ. Sheerly out of God's goodness out of God's amazing grace. We have to hold that up and remember that. And sometimes that's where we need to sh focus our effort in remembering our inclusion into the banquet. Other times we also need to hold up and remember, how am I replying to that invitation? How am I responding to that gift? Are my actions displaying the appropriate attitude of gratitude for this graciousness of God? Is it manifest, not just in what I wear, but how I live and how I give? 
Are we just showing up? Or are we really committed and participating in the feast? Really committed and participating sacrificially in the feast? Are we willing to give up something good, important, valuable for something more important, more valuable, even better, eternally better? That's what a sacrifice is. Is that showing up in our lives? Are we manifesting that in our lives? Or are we taking God's grace for granted? I remember, uh, you know, many of you knew my dad. He was a pretty easygoing guy, wasn't he? And I got to work with him for oh, six or seven years. And I'm so grateful for those years because I got to see him in a business setting and he was really pretty much the same person in his business relationships as he was in his personal relationships. Really kind and easygoing until he felt taken, taken advantage of. And so he had this saying that you've probably heard other people say, please don't mistake my kindness for weakness. Please don't do that. Because if you do... And I have to sort of enforce those boundaries and expectations. You're going to be really surprised, and it's really going to get ugly. And as his son, having taken his kindness for weakness a couple of times, it, it was. It was not a pretty sight. We best not do that with God. We must hold together these truths. Yes, God's goodness God's grace bestowed on us in this invitation to life with God in Christ. And we shouldn't take that for granted. We should respond with committed, sacrificial action. And what does that look like? How does that look and manifest in our lives? There are lots of ways. I'm going to talk about one in particular because it's fall. We were uh, in staff meeting in Bird Hall uh, just a month or so ago, and um, we were in there because uh, we could spread out in there, so we could kind of each sit at a table and kind of spread out. And as we were sitting in there, you know, I was looking into the courtyard, and I saw this man come in through the parking lot gate and did what people who have never been here before tend to do. So I knew he hadn't been here before. He was dressed in uh, kind of baggy shorts and an NBA jersey, a flat bill cap. He was a black guy. And I'm not proud to say, but I sort of made a, an assumption about why he was here. So I got up and said, you know, hold on, y'all, wait just a second. So I go outside and I say, can I help you? And he says, uh, yeah, I'm looking for the pastor. I'm like, oh, yeah, I knew that was, I know it's coming now. Well, yeah, I'm the priest. How can I help you? He said, well, um, normally I would go to my church. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, here it comes. Um, but because of the, the coronavirus, my church is closed, so I can't go to my pastor. And I'm thinking, yeah, 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 get to it, get to it. How much do you need? I'm not proud of this, y'all, but this is where my head was. And he says, well, since my church is closed, um, I just got paid and um, I can't give my tithe to my church, so I was wondering if I could just give it to you. And 
I, I did just that. I was so ashamed and so shocked that I, I, when I collected myself, I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, do you mean to tell me you're stopping into this church you've never been to before to give me money, to give us money? He looked at me like I was the dumbest man he had ever seen and said, yeah. And he proceeded to reach into his pocket and pull out five crisp $20 bills. He had just gotten paid. He took the first 10% and gave it back to God. That is committed and sacrificial giving. That is a life that demonstrate in action an attitude that, manif that manifests in gratitude. He is grateful. He recognizes this invitation that God has given him, and he is responding. Not by what he's wearing, but what he's doing. Because there are lots of ways that signify these inner attitudes towards what God has done for us. As we move into this annual giving campaign, we are asking everyone, as we should always be asking ourselves, what is God calling me to do or to give? God's calling us into this banquet, this life with God through Christ. We haven't done anything to deserve that. God is also calling us to really share in the joy and participation of that by giving our all to it. Not just showing up for a finger sandwich or a cocktail weenie. What is God calling you to do or to give? I don't know the answer to that. That is really between you and God. But I know it's important to answer that question. I know it's important to sit in prayer with it. I know that it is critical to our salvation to respond to what God has done for us in our lives more than by what we wear because our actions say something about our attitude, committed and sacrificial. So think about that, please. And at the risk of hurting feelings, you maybe ask yourself, really challenge yourself. If I'm spending more on cable than I'm giving to the church, what does that say about my priorities, my commitment, the sacrifice I'm willing to make? If I'm spending more on season tickets, on Mardi Gras parades, on fishing boats, what are those actions saying about my attitude? I'm reminded of that, that hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. You know that hymn. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. We have received this invitation May we respond gratefully with our lives, our souls,
our all.